Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Right? Because a lot of people don't share what God has done in their life because today you can get criticized, judged, ridiculed, all that kind of stuff. People make fun of you. Uh, but there are, there are eternal blessings when Christians evangelize. Not a political perspective. I know many people have uh, equated evangelism, especially from a Christian, uh, Christian evangelicals with a political perspective. But when we go out and just share, here's what God has done in our lives, and we share that here's God, how God restored my marriage. Maybe he can restore yours. Here's how God delivered me from this addiction or from this anger or whatever. Or here's how God helped me with this mental issue and here's how he can help you. There's eternal blessings for people that, that take that and then they go and they look and say, well, maybe God can help me too. But there's also eternal consequences when we don't, both here and in eternity, because someone's marriage won't be restored because we're not willing to go share here. Here's how God helped my marriage. Someone won't be able to come out of some deep, dark mental place or depression because we're not able to say, hey, that's where I was a couple of months ago, but God helped me through it. Right? So there are, there are benefits to sharing it. There are consequences uh, when we don't. But here's the thing. We're also going to talk about uh, something that we talked about, I think it was two weeks ago, with respect to government, Right? Because we're rolling into this political season. Everyone's focused on government. Uh, and from the book of Romans chapter 13, this is what he said. For he, and that he is for anyone who's in any political place of power or authority, he is God's servant. Now, most people focus on the middle portion of that sentence where it says, if you do wrong, be afraid, because it's not for nothing that he holds the power of the sword. And they say, hey, that's what governments are there for. But they miss that that is sandwiched in between he is God's servant for your benefit, and he is God's servant there as an avenger to punish wrongdoers, not according to his will, but according to God's morality. He's God's servant. That, that's the way that government is supposed to work. We're going to see both of these kind of played out in amazing detail this morning. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Daniel chapter, and I forget where we are, four. Daniel chapter four. If you don't, grab one under your seat somewhere left or right of you. Uh, somewhere there's a Bible uh, that will give you some insight. Okay, so they say the sound is much better. They can hear me? Okay, great. Awesome. Good, 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 good. Um, so in Daniel chapter four, now I'm going to walk through this quickly. We're going to jump around. But in Daniel chapter 4, uh, this is what we read. In Daniel chapter 4, it starts off King Nebuchadnezzar, right? So even though it's the book of Daniel, what Daniel has done is he's taken this proclamation from King Nebuchadnezzar and included it in his book. And here's why, right? So it says, King Nebuchadnezzar to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world. This is not a private statement. He's about to share his testimony, what God has done in his life. That's why we're talking about evangelism. But he's not sharing it over coffee with a friend. He's not sharing it with family and friends over dinner. He's making like a state of the union address to the known world to say, here's what God has done in my life. He says, uh, to people, nations, men of every language who live in all the world, may you prosper gr greatly. 
It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. Now, he's about to share a really embarrassing story that I don't know about you, and you can, you can judge me later, but I laughed when I first read it, right? Uh, but even though he's sharing this embarrassing story with the known world at that time, he's excited to do it. He says, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now, this shows the progression that Nebuchadnezzar has made and that most people make. Because when he started, he wasn't like, okay, Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, you guys, you keep talking about your God. He didn't just say, I'm going to buy into that and I'm going to accept him as my God. Uh, You stay in Daniel chapter 4, but in Daniel chapter 2, the king, that's Nebuchadnezzar, he said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And that mystery was, Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, I had a dream. I'm not going to tell you what the dream is, but I want you to tell me what I dreamt and then tell me what it means. Because he wanted to make sure that he was getting true divine revelation, right? And he could say, here's the dream, and tell them, and then they can make something up, and he could say, okay, that, I have no way of knowing that's true. But if he said, hey, I'm not going to tell you what I dreamt, but I want you to tell me what I dreamt, every detail, and then I want you to tell me what it means. And when Daniel came in and said, here's what you dreamt, every detail, and here's what it means, then his response was, hey, surely your God is the God of gods, but He's not my God yet. I still have my gods. Your God's a big God, but I still have my gods. Then you get to chapter 3, right? And then after he threatens and did throw uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a blazing furnace, right? And when they came out without the smell of fire on them, they survived. Then he said, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. So he acknowledged, hey, your god is the god of gods. Now he acknowledged, hey, your god can save physically. But he didn't acknowledge his need to be saved spiritually. And he didn't acknowledge, hey, your god is my god. Now, where we are in chapter 4, he's about to tell the story of how their god became his god. All right, so uh, go back to chapter 4, verse 4. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. So at this point, he has another dream. He invites all the wise men. He says, I need you to interpret this dream again. This time he didn't call Daniel in first because Daniel is no longer a wise man. Daniel is now like the uh, prime minister over the nation. But then when they couldn't reveal it, he calls in Daniel. And we're going to skip down to verse 19 
And rather than read, here's what the dream is, we're going to read the interpretation of the dream, which will include, here's what the dream is. So in uh, verse 19, then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Now, here's the reality, right? And I'm not trying to scare people, but this is the truth. We were talking about this when we were doing our online Bible study on Thursday. Um, we shouldn't be terrified or afraid of God, but we definitely should be terrified, terrified, scared, <laughs> scared, and afraid of the consequences of eternal separation from God, right? Eternal, I know people say, oh, you're trying to manipulate people by telling them about hell. No, trying to reveal the truth of God's word, which is that those who are eternally separated from God only have one place to spend eternity. God should not terrify us. God should not scare us. The thought of being eternally separated from God should. And here's what happens next. Belteshazzar answered, my Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, that's because of the severe consequences. The tree you saw, which he saw in his dream, which grew large and strong with its, touch, its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field and having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Here is the truth. Here is the reality. God did that. Right? What King David, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, what King David acknowledged, what Daniel acknowledged, what Nebuchadnezzar now acknowledges is that there is no king or queen, there is no prince, there is no CEO, there is no president, no politician or pastor in any position of authority that got there except God allowed it. And if God allowed it, they are there to serve God not to serve a political party, not to serve a nation, but to do God's will. That's why God allows all people into positions of authority, and as we read, they are God's servant for our good. This is the reality that Nebuchadnezzar is going to come to understand. All right? Uh, Verse 23, you, O king, saw a messenger. This is what he saw in his dream, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree, and remember, he was the tree, and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven times pass for him. Then he says in verse 24, this is the interpretation. This is what that dream means. O king, and this is the decree that the most high has issued against the Lord my king. This is God handing down his decree for Nebuchadnezzar not serving God the way God wanted because Nebuchadnezzar was in a position of authority. Right? He says, verse 25, you will be driven away from people 
live with the wild animals, you'll eat grass like cattle, be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times, or that seven years, will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone who wishes. Now, I'm going to put that verse up on the screen uh, so we can read through that together because what typically happens is, and this is the amplified version because it kind of spells it out, is people focus on the wrong thing in this verse. It says, you shall be driven from among men. Your dwelling will be with the beasts in the field. You'll be made to eat grass as do the oxen, and you'll be wet with the dew of heavens, and seven times or years shall pass over you until you learn and know and recognize that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind. And what people do, I've, I've, I've so many messages and books and pastors will spend so much time focusing on how is it possible that he was made to eat grass and became like wild-haired and was living out in the fields and, and what we'll read later, it wasn't in his right mind. That's not the point of this passage. It's an important part of this passage that this happened to him. But what God wants us to understand is not, hey, don't focus on what happened to him. Focus on what God was saying to him, which is this is going to occur until you learn and know and recognize that the most high God rules the kingdom of mankind and gives it to whoever he will. The whole purpose of this happening to him was so that he would acknowledge and understand and have no doubt about the fact that, hey, I'm supposed to be here to serve God. I'm not supposed to be here to get rich off of other people. I'm not supposed to be here uh, to be like, hey, everyone look at me. I'm the most powerful man in the nation and in the most powerful nation on the planet at that time, so everyone should worship me. I'm supposed to be here acknowledging as the most powerful man in the nation and the most powerful nation on the planet on that time to make sure that God's will is carried out amongst all people. Oh, I thought that was my phone. <laughs> okay. And here, here, just to reiterate, this is, this is that verse in Romans again. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. And just like it says, hey, if we, this is talking to us, if we do wrong, right, we're supposed to be afraid for rulers don't bear the sword for no reason. In other words, if, if, if the people in authority are God's servants and we violate the law, God's moral law, then there are going to be consequences for us. If we speed, we're going to get a ticket. If we murder somebody, we're going to go to jail. There are consequences when we don't abide by the law. But the same is true for that ruler. But we're not the one to carry out the consequences. Now, we're fortunate and blessed to live in a nation where if someone isn't doing their job, we can vote them out. We can even call for, before their term is up, a special election to say we got to get rid of them. They're not doing their job or they're doing it poorly. But there are consequences when those rulers don't carry out God's will. Right? So this is what... This is what he says. Therefore, your majesty, this is Daniel talking to him, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins, this is what Daniel tells him, by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be then that your prosperity will continue. So Daniel says, hey, here's the dream. You're going to have to pay for the consequences of your wrongs 
just like everybody else does. And look what he says. Renounce your sins, because he's making it crystal clear that the wrongs that you're doing are against God. But then he also says this, and, and kind of hesitant to dwell on this, but I, I'll mention it. He says, do what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. There's a subtle indication that your prosperity, all that you have now, it came off the backs of other people. In other words, you didn't get rich because you were just blessed with being rich. You got rich because you were taking advantage of other people. And before anyone, I am not against like our political system. I love our political system. But I will say this. Every single politician, you can go look it up, every single politician goes into a six-figure job. doesn't matter what party they are. But then within a term or two, they're multimillionaires. They're not getting there off of their six-figure income. They're getting there by taking advantage of all of us. And yes, God does hold people accountable when they do wrong. And here's what Nebuchadnezzar ends up doing. Now, he's standing in unity with the rest of God's people, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because as we're going to see, he acknowledges God is his God, and he does the right thing, because now, instead of just a couple of chapters ago, or last chapter, he was building statues to himself, talking about how great he was. Now, he holds a, 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 a State of the Union address just to say, God humbled me, and we all need to acknowledge how great God is, and he gives the proper political response. It's not about me. Yes, I, I, I have a kingdom. I'm the king of this nation. But it's only because God allowed it. Right? So here's, here's what he says in Daniel uh, chapter 4, verse 34. At the end of that time where he was out in the wild, at the end of that time, I raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. And no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? That word powers, we read it as powers. It's a, uh, uh, actually Aramaic word, not Hebrew, Aramaic word, because this is Nebuchadnezzar saying, writing this out in Aramaic. Uh, it's an Aramaic word that literally means the armies. What he's acknowledging is God does as he pleases with the armies of heaven, and I am now a part of that army. He's acknowledging, hey, my kingdom is big, but it's a part of God's kingdom, which is even bigger. And I have no right to question what God does because he can do whatever he pleases because he alone is God. He says, at the same time, my sanity was restored. My honor and splendor were returned for me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out. And I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. It's not like God is trying to say, hey, you're taking a piece of my pie, so I got to stop you. God is the one who gave him the authority. God is the one who uh, gave all power and riches and glory. And when we do what is right by God, then he will give us even more. But if our focus is on us, how do we get more power? How do we get richer? How do we get more political advantages? How do we, as pastors, get more people into the building, right? If that's our focus, then God's like, I'm not going to help you do that. That's not why I put you there. 
But when our focus is, how do we get more people outside of the building to experience the mercy, the love, and the grace of God? How do we get people that are dealing with, like, emotional issues to understand that God can help them? How do we get people whose marriages are on the rocks to be reconciled to one another? How do we get people to experience the love of God? When we do that, then God's like, hey, you keep doing that, I'm going to keep giving you more resources, more blessings, more ability to do what I have called you to do. And then it says this, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right all of his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This is, the, 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 again, the, the most powerful man and the most powerful nation on the planet at that time, acknowledging that, hey, it's not about me. It's about God's will being done. And if that were to happen today, whether it be, uh, you know, President Biden or, or, or whatever we're about to see a bunch of like presidential candidates and all of their stuff. If they were to get up and they were to say, this is how God humbled me, right? They'd be ridiculed. They'd be laughed at. And, and let's be honest, every single Saturday Night Live for like the rest of the year would be all about them. Making fun of them, laughing at them, and all oh, they blah, blah. But this is what God wants. Not just from politicians. He wants it from pastors. He wants it from all people that we would be willing to say, hey, it's not about us. It's not about getting people into our building. It's about acknowledging what God did for me and what God can do for you. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And I just want to spend a moment uh, praying for, bear with me, praying for the politicians. Because we're about, to, I mean, if you haven't already gotten the phone calls, if you haven't already gotten your mailboxes filled up, anyone gotten the mail yet, started getting mail from all the, the people? Yeah, there are, there are political races I didn't even know existed that I'm getting, like, mail for. I'm like, I don't, I don't even know who this is. And you'll continue to get more. And most of us, because we're either on this side, uh, whether it be Democrat, or this side, whether it be Republican, or Independent, or Libertarian, or wherever we stand, we think that our goal is to, hey, to try to get the other people to see our political perspective. But the goal is, if we're Christians, to get all people, no matter which political party they're in, to see God's perspective and to be a part of his kingdom. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we lift up all of the politicians that are running, and we know that uh, there are people that are going to be on either side of the political aisle, of the political argument. But we pray first and foremost uh, for each person that's running that they would acknowledge, as Nebuchadnezzar did, that they are running to be your servant. That they're not running to give themselves more power, more riches, more honor, more glory, but they should be running to see that your will is done, that your justice is carried out, that your mercy is shared, and that your word prevails. 
God, we pray for all of us. We are so grateful, uh, those of us that live in the nation where we get to vote, we get to elect, we get to choose who gets to sit in which of those seats, whether it be at the the, uh, local town council level, the county level, the state level, or the federal level. We pray that you would impress it upon our hearts to seek people who will do your will. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, pray that you guys have an awesome rest of your Sunday. God bless. Wait, wait. Before you guys go anywhere, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Can you stop the live stream for a minute? Or just stop it. End it. Uh, God bless you to all you guys. Bye-bye. But for the, those of you guys in the room, uh, you guys know. And I,